Sister Michelle, I want to thank you for sharing. What Sister Michelle did not say is that she had, she actually, he and Brother Jerry had moved in, I guess Brother Jerry moved in with their mom, and so she said, asked or said, said earlier, said, Pastor, I'm going to need to take time because we're going to have to take care of my mom, <laughs> take every, all the time that you need, and I know you're going to be ministering to your mom. But that Wednesday night, when we were here at Bible study, right before 8 o'clock, um, we got a text from Sister Michelle that her mom had, in fact, accepted the Lord. And what we did, we called her phone and left a praise on her phone <laughs> of what God had done. And just a praise of thanksgiving erupted in this place just because we knew with her mom being Jewish and how difficult it had been for her and how Sister Michelle over the years wanted to see her mom saved. That at that moment she was the one that the Lord used to allow her mom to come to the Lord. That was just a time where it was really special. And so, yeah, that was just absolutely incredible. And we said that you never stop praying for an individual because you just don't know what the Lord is going to do. And so that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. God is in the saving business. She would not have been saved. The question is, would she have been saved if she didn't know any better? No. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't accept the Lord Jesus Christ before they leave here. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's one, only one way to the Father. Only one way to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's through, well, only one way to be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. I'm going to take one question and get to the word, yes. What I call a divine intervention, the question is, uh, because Sister Michelle's mom had accepted the Lord at the end of her life, was that divine intervention? Anytime that God saves and calls someone is divine intervention. Anytime that the Lord snatches someone or pulls someone or has, has um, a person that he's already selected, you're going to be saved, that's divine intervention. One of the things that's very interesting is that when the Lord gave the parable of the workers out in the field, there were workers that went out at the beginning of the day. There were workers that went out at midday. There were workers that went out at the very last hour and only worked for one hour. And so when it was time for them to be paid, they all received the same thing. Those that had received, um, you know, the same amount and had been out there all day, they complained. He said, but didn't you agree to work for this amount? And the question that basically says, Can, isn't God able to do with what he wants to do with his own resources? He's God. And so if a person is saved at a young age, or comes to the end of their life and accept the Lord, they can make it in. It's a matter of the heart, and a matter of not only the mouth, but if one believes also in the heart. So sometimes there is a confession that's made by the mouth. Everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will not enter in. That's what the Word of God says. But when there's a change of heart, and I think one of the things for Sister Michelle there, she was so concerned is this real? Is it also of the heart? And the Lord gave confirmation, I believe, of that days later as she continued to affirm her salvation by those that came in 
to the house. And so I, I just, I just uh, thank God for, for that. That's a testimony that's just absolutely incredible. Yes, absolutely. One faithful person, one faithful person, which brings us to the word that we're going to be, um, speak briefly on today. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. I was going to read also Isaiah. I may still do that. But I want to thank God. I told Sister Michelle about a month ago that I wanted her to be able to take some time to give the, her testimony to talk about how her mom came to accept the Lord. And when I stood up here is when the Lord brought it to my mind. I mentioned it even last week. I would forgotten it. So I want to thank you for sharing that powerful, powerful testimony and word. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. I'm going to read today out of a different translation, and, um, the Apologetic Study Bible. So I want you to follow along with me. Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Get up and go south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to desert Gaza. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian man, a eunuch and high official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasury, of her entire treasury. He had come to worship in Jerusalem and was sitting in his chariot on his way home, reading the prophet Isaiah aloud. The spirit told Philip, go and join that chariot. When Philip ran up, to it, he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone guides me or explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the scripture passage he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who will describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. The eunuch replied to Philip, I ask you, who is the prophet saying this about, himself or another person? So Philip proceeded and to tell him the good news about Jesus, beginning from that scripture. As they were traveling down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And some of your Bibles don't have verse 37, as it was not in the early manuscripts. But it says, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he ordered the chariots to stop, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him when they came up out of the water the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away and the eunuch did not see him any longer but he went on his way rejoicing Philip appeared in Azotus and passing through he was evangelizing all the towns until he came to Caesarea as a title given this message Philip obeying one step at a time Philip obeying one step at a time. Uh, to obey God, you must have faith. And let me stop and say this. 
I have two Bibles here. Because when I was doing my study, in one part I kept reading something that I was not seeing in my NIV. And I'm thinking, why is this scripture they're seeing here? And I'm going back and come to see and, and dug in a little bit further that in some of the earlier manuscripts, it does not have the, what the eunuch said. And so some of the um, writers have taken that part out, but they make note of it is that while it was said, it just does not show. And so I wanted to read it from this Bible because the one that I have here had that statement. To obey God, you must have faith. And you can reference Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Vicki, good to see you. <laughs> when Philip left Jerusalem, Jerusalem after the persecution of the church, when the church of the persecution broke out, Philip went to Samaria. So Philip goes north to Samaria where he continues the very activity that he was already doing in Jerusalem, which was preaching and teaching about Jesus. After God used him in a mighty way, and after Peter and John had come to Samaria and are now heading back to Jerusalem, the Lord told Philip to go south. I need to pause just briefly there. The Lord did not tell Philip, I want you to go south because this is what I want you to do. No, he just said, Philip, he sent an angel, I want you to go south. There are some times when we fail to obey God because we don't see all the details. I don't feel a certain way. I don't see certain things. So we don't move when God says, I want you to go. There are times when the Lord will give a command and will tell you to do something because the next part of the equation or the next answer is after you have first obeyed. There are people today that are living outside of the will of God because they haven't taken the first step to move when God said that you need to move. And so we are waiting for God to give more instructions and he's not doing it because we have failed to take that first step. So Philip is obeying God one step at a time. There are times when things are happening in our lives. He says, we say, why is this happening? Why are these things taking place? There are times when God is shaking us and trying to get our attention. He says, I want you to be obedient. I have something for you to do, but you haven't yet acted on what I have already told you to do. Philip was not that one. But the moment the angel said, Philip, go south, the Bible says he immediately took off and went. Philip's assignment was very special. As he is told by a messenger of God, and the word angel means messenger, and he tells him to go south to the desert. Now, he had just left Jerusalem, and now he has to go back. And the Lord says, I want you to take the road from Jerusalem that goes to Gaza, the desert road. Now, let me just say this. Angels are ministering spirits. They do not act on their own accord. 
but they are directed by God. When people talk about their guardian angel, many in fact place angels in the place where God is to be. Angels get their instructions from the Creator. So when we're talking about, oh, my guardian angel, unless God tells the guardian angel to intervene, nothing is going to take place. So when we are giving honor to angels, be very careful because it's God that directs them. Throughout Scripture, you see angels being given messages of God or on behalf of God as He is the one who is sending them out. And if those people did not hear the angels, they did not hear the Word of God. The angels even call the pastors angels in the book of Revelation. Philip is in a very unique position. Whether he's being persecuted and having to leave town because of persecution, he preaches the gospel wherever he goes. Philip was sent to a road that was rarely now traveled. The road that led from Jerusalem, the old road, it says in some Bible, or the road from Jerusalem to Gaza was an old road. There was a new road that had been built. The road that the Lord told Philip to go down was a road now that was rarely used. He told Philip, go to the road, that desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza was one of five major Philistine cities. Philistines had five major cities and Gaza was one of them. There was an Ethiopian that Philip had to have an encounter with. And he was on that old road to Gaza. If Philip happened to go to the new road, he would have missed him. There are times when we miss God because we are not on the road that God told us to be on. We're on a different road. And any time you're on a different road, you're not going to be in a place to be able to receive the blessing that God has for you. While you may go, you need to go in the right direction. I left church the other night heading home and there was major traffic. And, and as I'm going up the road, I said, man, why is there so much traffic at 744? Yeah, it was 7.44 p.m. Because <laughs> I looked at my clock. <laughs> Traffic should be through by this time. Oh, but it's the day before or two days before Thanksgiving. So maybe there are people out getting ready to shop and getting their last items. And so traffic was heavy. So I'm, I'm hungry. I'll go to In-N-Out. Yeah, I did. Went last night, too. Uh, <laughs> But as I put, got my food and got back on the road, I said, ah, I'm going to take a detour. I know what I'm going to do. I got to go see this person anyway. Got to go meet this family. I'm going to take a detour. So I said, I'm going to take the Richmond San Rafael Bridge or, or take the exit and go through Larkford Landing. And lo and behold, there's more traffic through there because somehow there's a power outage. So as I get there, I'm thinking, oh, what have I done? Can't just turn around and get back on the freeway right now. Because the moment I took that exit, the traffic had broken up, I saw. 
I'm thinking, great. <laughs> so I take this road, and I'm thinking, I know what I'll just do. I'll just get in the left-hand lane and make a U-turn or just go around the back way. I'll just stay on this road. And so as I'm traveling, I noticed that when I got into the left lane, the one that takes you to the festival theaters, that lane was now completely stopped, and they let the lane that I was in start going. There were the officers directing traffic. I'm saying, this is really great. <laughs> Every way that I'm trying to go. And then I have to remember, you know, there are some times where God is keeping things from happening in our lives. He's directing, He's guiding, He's helping, He's blocking, because we don't oftentimes see the danger down the road or ahead of us. And so while we may be in a hurry to get to a place, there are times when the, when the Lord puts roadblocks right in our way. And we take them as problems, but it is God's divine intervention. <laughs> and so as I work my way around the back, all the lights are out, and finally work my way up going towards the bridge, I took the little road that takes you down to San Rafael and went around the back way and got to my destination just fine. And so I have to think that, wow, well, I wanted to go this way and got here, I had to just slow down and say, well, Lord, I, you're in charge. But there are times when we're going to, we force situations and we're going to do it no matter what God says and we run into further problems. When the Lord told Philip that I want you to go down to Gaza and I want you to take this road, Philip had to be obedient to the Lord in order to get the next part of what he needed to do. So if in Philip's obedience, he goes and the Lord says there was an Ethiopian who, had, who was in charge of the, some Bible says, the Kandake or the Queen of Sheba's treasury. All of the queens of Ethiopia, of Ethiopia were called Candace. Just like you see the pharaohs, the, their names. So he is in charge of her treasury, and he had gone to Jerusalem to worship and is now on his way back home to Ethiopia, heading south, and is on that road that is now rarely traveled. And the Lord then said, Now, Philip, you see that that caravan or that, what does he say, that, the, chariot. the chariot. See that chariot? Go stay next to it. Go, go up to it. And what Philip does that's very interesting, he runs up to it. Now, he might have been traveling the chariot, just chariot may have been traveling at a speed where he needed to, but it, to me it shows the excitement and the urgency of what Philip was willing to do for the Lord. There are times when we have to move with very with with much quickness in obeying the word of God. Sometimes we just take all type of our time. I'll just do it later. I'll be obedient someday. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe next year. When the Lord says move, we need to learn to move right then. And Philip, in his obedience, ran up. And at that moment, he heard the man reading from a passage in Isaiah 53, verse 7. But before verse 7, 1 through 6 is fascinating. Because that book, that scripture, foretells how Jesus was going to pay for our sins. Of all the scriptures in the Old Testament, that is one of the most powerful passages. 
And he hears him reading verses 7 and 8. Now, this man is of great wealth. He's a high person, high in a high position. He was a eunuch. What is a eunuch? A eunuch is a person that is, is a male that has been surgically castrated. It is a person who has been surgically castrated. Because of the position that these individuals would have in a king's harem, the king had to be making sure there was no hanky-panky going on with any of his women. So males that worked as administrators were eunuchs. In fact, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they went to Babylon, were more than likely they became eunuchs. You don't know that. You probably didn't know that. So this man, this eunuch, is in a very high position. He's a eunuch, and he's in charge of all of the treasury of the queen. Now, the kings often didn't run the day-to-day affairs or even rule because they were considered to be gods by the people, and that, was be, that would be too main de- mundane for them to do. So they didn't basically take care of the affairs. Others did that because that would be beneath them. And so this man is in charge of all this money, and he's a black man. Africa, Ethiopia, that's what is believed. It is interesting to me that the Lord sent Philip to talk to this black man, is believed, of Ethiopia, this one man where Philip had been ministering in Samaria with great results. The tendency for him would be, I need to stay here because look at all that God is doing. He says, no, there's one person that I need to send you to. It ain't no glamour over there. I don't see all the people. I'm looking for something. If the word of God is being preached, stay put. There are times when we're looking, and it's a matter of the heart that needs to be changed. This man that the Lord sent Philip to was a man the Bible said, was a worshiper of God. He didn't know really about Jesus, but he was a worshiper. It is believed that this Ethiopian may have even been in, in the Jerusalem for the Passover and is on his way back. Remember this as well. The persecution had already had broken out. I'm thinking, but I'm saying, I'm thinking, man, that means the per- so, so where was he? Philip left town because of the persecution, but this man being one of having authority, is more than likely has an entourage with him because he more than likely would not be traveling by himself. But the Lord sent Philip to him. And he got up and he says, do you understand? He says, no. And Philip then was asked to sit with him and he began at that very passage and began to teach and tell this man about the Lord Jesus Christ. Starting with Isaiah, that very place, 800 years early from this point, foretelling what was going to take place. That passage 800 years earlier detailed how Christ was going to die. This man had a scroll. You had to have some money 
back in that day to have a scroll with the scripture, you were wealthy. It shows his wealth. It shows how his high, what his high position was. And he's reading out loud. It was common at this time to read out loud. A person would read because they're reading the scroll and deciphering the words. It was just customary to read out loud. And Philip hears the words. And at that precise moment, he's right at the place that talks about Jesus Christ. When we look at being in the will of God, God orchestrates and directs our path so that events happen and are carried out just at the right time. And there are times when we're not in the right place, even though God has given us direction and we miss what God has for us. But Philip is an example of God, of, of, of God. Um, using him to go to one man on a desert road and on a road that was rarely traveled and sat with him to the top place where he must have really talked to that man because they came to a body of water and said, man, what is preventing me from being able to be baptized right now? <laughs> Obedience to the word of God cannot be expressed or stressed enough. Now, let me give you my first point that I forgot to give you earlier on as I continue on. It's only one point, so I'm going to throw it out there to you now. And that is, thank you, I just got going to give you my first point. And that is obeying God without the full picture up front. Obeying God without the full picture up front. That's the one point that I'm addressing, I'll soon be done. When the Lord placed upon Philip, or told Philip through his angel to go, he went. When the man mentions the water, you need to understand this. And somehow we, in our society, oftentimes, you know how things just change, and you tell a story, and then... Sometimes you hear that story again. That, that ain't the story I just told. I didn't say that. It's been all embellished and added to. And before you know it, it comes back to you thinking, what in the world? I, I did this. I did this. Y'all heard the game. You, you tell a person a sentence and you whisper it in your telephone, a grapevine, right? So one night, one day we did that here with Friday Night Live with the kids. It's fun doing that with kids. I had them all, I had them lined up. So I told one kid something. And he go, what? So I told them again. Okay, now pass it down. Went all the way back until it got back to me. Now that person has to say out loud what it is that was told. I don't remember what they said, but it was not anywhere close. Didn't even have any of the words that I started with. At all in the sentence or statement that they made was not even in Where did you get that from? Where did you tell that person there? That's not what I said. <laughs> and so it's just passed around. When we look at baptism, somehow people have thought and said, I was baptized when I was young. As if somehow that that 
water immersion or sprinkle, whatever you might have received or they may have received, saved you. It does not and it cannot. This man had received the word of God from Philip, and he says, Now, what would prevent me from being baptized? There is water. Well, let's take a look. He says, verse 37, If you believe with all your heart you may, and this is what he said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's what's required in order for you to be baptized, to receive salvation. That's what it is. It's about Jesus Christ. And that's what that... Philip must have did a bang-up job because he said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Took that passage from Isaiah that he was reading it and then brought him all the way up from 800 years earlier to the day that Christ had died and gone on back to heaven. That's who he was talking about. At that moment... He says, man, yeah, you can be baptized. People that have been baptized earlier need to be baptized again once they get saved. People that were baptized as a young person didn't understand it as a kid, come to salvation and the Lord come to accept the Lord, need to be baptized again. What was the important thing that God showed? When you look at God's covenant with his people, he used circumcision to, to, to separate the Jewish people from all the others. You, the, my people are going to be circumcised. It's going to be my covenant relationship with my people. It is a cutting away. It is a cutting away of symbolic. It symbolizes sin. Yes, but God's covenant was through circumcision. And then when we look at baptism, and now that was for the Jewish nation. But when I was reading this, the Lord just brought something to me. It may have been there all the time, but you look at this man here who is a Gentile. There is an outward expression now that others that look and see that you've been baptized, it says that I am identifying now with the person of Jesus Christ. You see, circumcision is something that's done where it's, it's private. It's, 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 it's between, you, you know, the Lord, you, you know, circumcision, you know, be careful. But baptism was something that was a public display of what God is doing in the life of the person that identified them with the Lord. And this man is saying, I want to be identified with this Jesus that I'm now reading about and that you have now told me about. I believe he's the Son of God. And he says, this going down. And they went into the water and Philip baptized him, put him under the water. Covered him. Why? Because we need to be completely covered from our sins. When we go into the water, there has to be a complete submersion. When Christ died for us, he went into the grave. And when he cleanses us, he cleanses us completely. And this man is identifying with the Lord through the baptism. I believe Ethiopia was never the same. God took this man who went on his way rejoicing, who can now tell the story of Jesus Christ that he now has heard from Philip because it has now been more made clear to him who the passage refers to. And based on his position, he has the ability to share the good news of back home in Ethiopia. You can't tell me he was going to be quiet. 
He came from Jerusalem worshiping, was reading the scriptures on his way, and now he's excited because he has now, he has now the answer to life. And the Lord says that then the Lord caught Philip away immediately. Now you're talking about something to see, to have a person disappear in front of you. The Lord caught him away, and the Bible says he appeared in Azotus. <laughs> and then move on further up. And something that's fascinating. You don't hear anything else about Philip in the book of Acts until you get to Acts chapter 21. And I believe verse 8. Where it says that Paul, and I believe it was Silas, Stayed with Philip, and it's the first time that they use the word with him of Philip the Evangelist. Do you not know that Saul wasn't the first one to go on a mission and to do ministerial work or missions work? Philip was one of the ones. But the Lord was going to use Saul, and Saul became that, the great person of the missions. But the, it started even with Philip, even before even with other. But Philip is pointed out here. He Remember, he's one of the seven. He's deacon Philip, but he's also evangelist. And you then see him again in Caesarea where he eventually went to and stayed, made his home, preaching and teaching the word of God. Philip received the command to go for one person. One. He was obedient to God for one person. How many people going to be there? Mm -mm, two people. I ain't going. Mm -mm. Mm -mm, I ain't going. One person. Amen. And being obedient to God, you need to be there. Do you not know that your reward is based on your obedience, not what somebody else necessarily does? Obedience to God is based on what God has told you to do. As I close. Bow your heads, please. Just want to ask you this. Is there anyone right now, and I want to see hands with all eyes closed, is there anyone in this place that says, yeah, I'm outside of the will of God? You raise your hand and put it down. Anyone that says, I'm outside of the will of God right now? Put your hand up and put it back down. Thank you for that. Let me see the hands of everyone that says, I am in the will of God right now. Put your hands down. Being in the will of God means I'm doing everything that God is telling me to do. That's what being in the will of God is. Everything that I know that God has called me to do, I'm doing it. Being outside of the will of God, I know that God told me to do this, but I'm not doing it. I haven't done it. That means you're saying, by my hand being raised, God is pleased with me right now where I am. Even though he still may be taking me place, he's pleased with me because he knows I'm doing all that he's called me to do. That's being in the will of God. If that's where you are, amen. But if not, I'm going to ask this question one more time. How many people feel that they are not in the will of God? How many people feel that I am in the will of God? Not as many hands. And more hands went up with not. Let me say this, and that's good, because one of the things that God does, he takes us from where we are, and takes us where we need to be. That, that means we don't stay right where we are. God in this place today 
everyone that raised their hand that says, I am not in the will of God by doing all that you would have me to do. Sometimes, Lord, people think of some grievous sin mm, that they may have committed. No, sometimes just be the sin of omission where I haven't done what God has told me to do, which is just as serious. It's, it's outside of God's will. So today we are praying in this place, not only will we not do the things that you told us not to do, but that we will also do the very things that you've told us to do. May we be like Philip, who will go on that desert road to meet just one person that will affect an entire nation. We thank you today for, Lord, the Word of God, that it is powerful. It quickens us where the Lord is honored. I am just amazed at what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit, the greatness of God, the love of Christ, the wisdom of God, and the timing of God. Pray that you will be lifted up in this place. We give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you later this week. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. Have a great day.